Good morning, Life Church. It's good to see you. You turn seas into highways. Boom, 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 boom. You're the only one who can. I was thinking that's probably what the Israelites sang when they crossed the Jordan River. Don't you think? You turn seas into, you know, it's the, the dudes, man. They, you know, they're pushing it. You turn seas into highways, man. God, you are amazing. You're amazing. If you're a guest today, uh, there's a connect card sitting by your seat, just waiting to be filled out. Put your fingerprints on it. And uh, that way we can connect with you. If you're watching online, thanks for taking time today uh, to do that very thing, streaming. Um, and in the process, you want to pull up the notes for today's talk. Um, and follow along. It's, it's very cool. We appreciate you taking time uh, to stay in touch with Live Church. For you Live Churchers out there um, via internet, uh, we miss you, of course, and uh, we're looking forward to the day when we see you face to face. So, yeah, good to see everybody in the auditorium as well. Hey, it is December, it is the 13th of December. And historically, we uh, do giveaways because Christmas um, is a reminder that God gave his son. And in just in a very practical way, uh, we want to extend that opportunity to give. So here's the deal. We've got um, um, original Stroop waffles. They're original. Just like you, you're original. And, um, and then we have uh, truffles, and we have sea salt caramels, and oh boy, um, I've tried all three, <laughs> so we can, endorse, we can endorse them. So we're going to have a trivial Christmas question, and if you know the answer, please stand. We've got the eyes in the sky up in, <laughs> up in the booth, which we're grateful for the volunteers as well, doing media. Um, they're going to watch to see who stands, who gives the correct answer, and then you get your choice of one of these three. So are you ready? You have to take your seatbelts off, of course, to stand. So uh, everybody ready? Good? All right. Uh, Joseph was originally from? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So Zion, what do you want? The truffles, truffles. I'm coming to your house today, remember. Mm-hmm. Um, when this person ruled England, they abolished Christmas. John, come on down. And and what which two would you like? Ah, uh, I like. This. Okay, all right, all right, good, 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 good. Um, 
John didn't give up, so that's good. It's a good characteristic. Um, what river did General George Washington cross on December 25th, 1776? Okay. You don't have a choice, but uh, we'll give it to you anyway, man. Good job. Good job. All right, man, that went quick. You guys are on top of it. Hmm. So last Sunday, we, um, we uh, started Joshua chapter 3. And uh, um, because you were so involved, we didn't get through it. Um, it's all your fault. So we're, we're continuing today. And um, uh, you've got your, your outline nearby. And you can track with us. I was at a, a pastor's cluster meeting. It's pastors in the Wisconsin area. We get together um, once a month. And um, at this particular meeting, um, there was a pastor who told this story back uh, 24 years ago. He was at a pastor's conference out east. And uh, the host pastor... Um, from the conference, walked out with the guest speaker who was from England. And during the time of worship, the guest speaker began writing things down on his notepad. And every once in a while, he would lean over to the host pastor and, and show him what he was writing down. Of course, people that were out in the, uh, you know, in the congregation, in the seats, they were thinking, is this guy, you know... Uh, he should have prepared his talk ahead of time, you know. Well, when the guest got up to speak, he had his notepad with him, and this is what he had to say. I have a list of pastors' names that are here tonight that need to get right with God. I can read the list of names now, or I would recommend that you come to the front altar and confess those sins to God now. What would you do? That would get your attention. The musicians started playing music in the background, and pastors from the auditorium started making their way to the front, the altar. And in the rear of the building was a young pastor with his wife and two sons, along with his siblings and their families, along with his own mother and his father, who was also a pastor. And after several minutes of standing with his eyes closed, thinking, just kind of walking through the corridor of his heart, his soul, if there was anything not right, um, he began to wonder if his father was still standing at the end of the aisle. And then he had this battle going on in his mind, should I peek or not? to see if my dad is standing there. And he waited, and finally he couldn't keep his eyes closed any longer, and so he looked down to the end of the aisle, and his father was standing there as well with his eyes closed, worshiping the Lord. When he saw that his dad 
was standing there worshiping. He walked up to him, put his arms around him, and whispered into his ear how grateful he was to have a father like him. What did the guest speaker do with the list? Well, that night he went back to his hotel room and burned it. And that's, that's that. We're standing on one side of the Jordan River, and we hit this last Sunday, uh, where we have an opportunity to look into our core uh, before walking into a brand new year and see if there's anything that we need to deal with, things maybe that we've buried, packed away, neglected, procrastinated doing, dealing with, and uh, just wanting to encourage all of us, as Joshua did to the people of Israel long ago, that before we cross over, there's, there's an opportunity to, to deal with our life. And so just like these pastors that just kind of were you know, going through life, uh, packing, compartmentalizing areas of their life without dealing with them. Uh, fortunately, the Lord uh, sent a man from England to get their attention. I hope that the Holy Spirit gets our attention today. Remember, we sang that song. Um, he turned seas into highways, but when you read through, when you sang through the lyrics, uh, in other words, he pours his grace into us, always. We just need to come to him with our lives, and he'll, he'll take care of it. So let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter 3, and uh, we're going to read verse 1, and then we're going to jump down to verse 14. Um, we're going to give you the opportunity to read that chapter. There's, there, there, is 17, there are 17 verses, um, so you can, you can walk through it over the morning. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. That's where we kind of left ourselves last week. Jumping down to verse 14, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And it was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. And they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the history of Israel that was documented and preserved in your word, that we can read it, to see your faithfulness, to see your involvement, to give us a picture when we think things are impossible, we can't get out of our spiritual ruts, we can never change 
because we've been doing it for so long, we thank you that with you there is nothing that is impossible. All things are possible with you. You turn seas into highways. We think about these pastors who had a wake-up call. Mm. They, they were stuck in the acacia grove and it was time to cross over. Sometimes we need a little source of encouragement to do that, Lord. And we pray by your spirit today, you'll do it. You'll do it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're camped on um, the wrong side of the Jordan River. Uh, you're looking across. It's uh, Yes, it's flood stage, and it looks somewhat intimidating, and uh, it's hard to get traction. Maybe, um, maybe like in a dream, I don't know if you've ever had a dream where you felt like your feet were in concrete. You, you, you couldn't run, you know? Bad stuff was coming at you, and you were kind of locked into that position. So what do you do? You open your eyes. <laughs> I, uh, I had a dream last week, and I, I didn't like it. Um, I was taking a test. So I opened my eyes. <laughs> and I want to take a test in the middle of the night. So, I, you know, we had a little dialogue with my, myself, and we voted, and we opened our eyes. So maybe you're like that too. You open your eyes. and So how many followers of Christ are, are experiencing victory overall? We, you know, we, we get it. We're not going to walk in perfection, but overall we're walking in victory. And maybe when we stumble, we deal with it immediately and we get back on track again and allow the Lord to, to do that good work in us. And um, uh, I'm reminded of um, December uh, 1944 when we were in World War II and the Allied forces thought for sure that they, the war would be over by Christmas and so they let their guard down. In fact, uh, the commanding officers put their guys out in the woods and said, you need to chill for a while. We think we've got this war under control what happened? Well, December 16th, the German army in the Ardennes forest did a counteroffensive and went deep into January. And there were generals that said, we can still lose this war. You see, we almost did. We lost more men during that counteroffensive and previous engagements uh, in, in those years. The point is, we should never let our guard down. The Allies had experienced victory on D-Day. They were moving across Europe, and um, Germany wasn't far off. So, friends, we need to use history as a reminder, even in our spiritual walk. And Jesus um, tells us, Paul actually wrote it, Romans 8.37, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And the NIV puts it, we are more than conquerors. And we started that victory club last Sunday. Did you uh, jump on board? 
That's good. So, confronting my fear, we, we hit that, verse 1, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. And so they made a 10-mile move. And we get it, the Acacia Grove is, it's not violent, it's very peaceful, it's, um, it's a, a place where you can just chill and get away from the stress of life. And unfortunately, there's too many followers of Christ that have permanently camped in the Acacia Grove. There's no movement. There's no spiritual movement going on in their lives. They think, when I put my faith in Christ, I guaranteed my entrance into heaven But friend, we cheapen God's grace by thinking that way. Why do we have to wait to heaven? We can walk in victory right here, right now on this planet, and we need to model the very character of Christ to this world who so desperately needs to see that model. How exciting it is to walk in victory, to experience it. To feel the breath of the living God breathing life into these temporary bodies. But here's the thing. Joshua ordered and the people obeyed. They said, we are ready. We are ready for a change. We don't want to go into a new year staying the same. And so they made that 10-mile walk. They packed up their tents and they moved right to the the flooded stage of the Jordan River. If you've ever been by water in flood stage, what's one of the characteristics? It's very noisy, isn't it? It's kind of like having a noise machine (laughs) in your tent. The raging river. They moved closer to the obstacle. I personally believe that it's very important as followers of Christ that we pull out of our suitcases, we pull out of our closets, those things that are inhibiting our walk with Christ and move closer to the obstacle and put it on the table and present it to Christ and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help with this. I need healing in this area of my mind, Lord. This torment that I've been dealing with. You put it on the table and you let God deal with it. You let the Spirit of God bring healing to you once and for all. Aren't you tired of being haunted by your past? Joshua was saying, move, man, move. Get out of the acacia grove and get into that, near that obstacle because you're going to see God turn the sea into a highway. So... I don't know what God is asking of you. Maybe he's challenging you in your life this past year. And he's saying, come on now, come on. This is not a time to start offering excuses why you can't. It's, it's time to put the issue on the table so right here, right now, we can deal with that. Maybe right now you can write that down in your notes, that, that single item that's been crippling you for so long. What are you going to do about it? Let's start today. Number two, waiting and watching, verse two. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. 
And since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Just, just a footnote. That's one of the scariest things in life. When you go and you're preparing to go somewhere where you've never been before. You feel the anxiety. There is tension when you go on vacation to a new place because you've never been there before. If you go to a place overseas where they don't speak the language and they drive on the wrong side of the road, there's added tension, isn't there? And if I have to vote, I would vote on a place I've been before where it feels like home. It takes all the anxiety out of it. God is saying, I want to take you where you've never been before. Man, I get it. I get it. There's anxiety. I get it. But I'm going to go before you. I'm going before you. Which, you know, dealing with confronting those fears that keep us from allowing God to take us where we've never been before. Stepping out in maybe areas of ministry you've never done before. Maybe sharing your faith for the first time. You know? Maybe saying no to that temptation for the first time. Yes, there's anxiety. But God loves to stretch us to become more like him. So, we've never been there before. They will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Again, it's incredible that the Lord in his timing, you know, you would have think he would have waited till there was a drought, you know, to get two million people across a flooded river, you know, instead of a flooded river, a drought dries things up and they could, they could walk across with ease. No, no, that's not how life is, is it? There's always a raging flood that you're facing. That's how life is. We can blame God, but we need to go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And it was there that sin, disease, heartbreak, suffering flooded this planet. That was the starting point. And so we, we don't have to blame God. We, we're living in a broken world. And there's evidence of that every single day, isn't there? And for some of you today, maybe you're allowing it to harden your soul. I, I just started reading the book of Job. And I, I had to say, man, he lost his kids, he, he lost his stuff. And what's he doing? He's worshiping. He's worshiping. I was thinking, Lord, I need your help there. You know, I need your help. Will you help me? So, you know, God doesn't do that. He waits till flood season. <laughs> and brings his people right up to a flooded river to help them realize they can't do this on their own. Um, and for three days, they, they pitched their tents staring at the 
flooded waters. What, what do you see in a flood? You see trees, massive trees going down a river, right? And debris and stuff, and it's noisy. For three days, they get to look at this obstacle in the face. The noise is overwhelming, you know? And thinking, during those three times, they're asking these tough questions like, how are we going to get across? And are we going to build boats, you know? Where's Noah when we need him, you know? (laughs) Come on, come on. What are we going to do? Anybody going to build a bridge? Where's the Golden Gate Bridge when we need a bridge, you know? They're, they're just kind of walking through. But no, 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 no. Two million people, you know? It's not just Joshua. It's, it's two million people. How, how many are two million people? Well, if you go down to Houston, Texas, that's about the size. That's I mean, just over two million people living in the Houston, Texas area. So that, that will help. Um, get you through it. It's a lot of people. What did you say? We've got to cross a flooded Jordan River. So they're at the edge, they're at the edge, and the water is deep. And he's telling the, the, the people, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God move out from your positions and follow them. Uh, it's interesting that in this <clears throat> chapter, it's, um, the ark is mentioned nine times. And, and what's, what's the point? The point is the, the ark of the covenant represented God's very presence. And uh, while they were wandering in the desert for 40 years, at night, they had a, a pillar of fire. Man, that would have been cool to see, wouldn't it? Uh, a great night light. And when that pillar moved, they were to follow it. And in the day, it was a cloud that protected them from the heat of the sun. And when that cloud moved out, but now the cloud and the fire are gone. And now it's the Ark of the Covenant, exclusively representing the very presence of God. And I have to tell you, think of it, the the presence of God. Hmm. What's that look like, the Ark of the Covenant? It's 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, 27 inches deep. It contained three artifacts, unspoiled manna. Think about that. Didn't spoil. Aaron's staff and the Ten Commandments of of the stone written by the hand of God inside. On top, there was a golden plate called the mercy seat that served as the lid of the the Ark of the Covenant. And then there were two golden cherubim with outstretched wings facing each other, looking down, looking down on that mercy seat. I'm so grateful for the mercy of the Lord. The mercy of the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. The very presence of the Lord was in that box. Verse 4b, stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. 
Why is that? Because it was holy. And God wanted to give the people the opportunity to be able to see the ark when it was moving. The ark was holy. They needed to be assured that God was guiding and directing them. So let's, let's put a little perspective on, on this. Um, <clears throat> let's have a little quiz. There's no reward today, but um, how, how far is it from the sun to the earth? The answer, 93 million miles, right? So let's take this sheet of paper. This sheet of paper, the thickness of it, represents 93 million miles, okay? Everybody good with that? It's 93 million miles. Not going across, just the thickness of this sheet of paper. So, so the distance would be one sheet of paper, thickness, from earth to the sun. The distance to get to the nearest star, what do you think? How far is that? It would be 70 feet of sheets of paper, 70 feet tall. This is 27 feet from the ground up to the peak, so let's, let's call it three times that, just for the sake of ease. That's to the nearest star. Then, by the diameter, diameter of our galaxy, how big is that? Well, it's 310 miles of paper stacked. It's quite a, quite a distance, won't you say? 310 miles. And here's the thing, Jesus holds it all. He holds it all. And there's a lot more out there. In Colossians 1, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can't see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him what we just talked about. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. He holds it all together. Mm. And so, when we invite Jesus Christ into our life, the creator of all things, let's not make him our personal assistant, which has become so common in Christianity today. He is... Holding, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole universe in his hands. He's an incredible God. And that presence that represented in the Ark of the Covenant, friend, man, this is, we carry it right here when we put our faith in Christ. So when God said, follow the Ark, he's basically saying, follow me. Follow me. Like Jesus in the Gospels, follow me. Um, we get to do that. So we need to ask the Lord, you know, right here, right now, is a good opportunity going into a brand new year to give us 
that spiritual sensitivity that we need to have on the magnitude and the love of God where we we realize what grieves him and we let that stuff go and we drill down in getting to know him better and what he cares about and what he loves that's why we're doing transform 2021 it's in your newsletter by your seat, just a little outline of what's going to be happening next month. Um, taking time to shut down the, the media, the influx of noise into our lives and just quieting ourselves in the presence of the Lord on purpose. A.W. Tozer put it this way, I have often wished that there were some ways to bring modern Christians into a deeper spiritual life painlessly by short, easy lessons. But such wishes are vain. No shortcuts exists. It is well that we accept the hard truth now. The man who would know God must give time to him. It takes time, right? Yes, it does. So, Joshua, he, he and Caleb had been wandering, you know, for 40 years, and he was ready to cross. No, no more dilly-dallying, you know, no more going in circles. No, he was ready. No more distractions. He was ready to go. And he was looking for God and following him alone. Number three, look in the mirror. Verse five, then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. The Lord will do great wonders. It's interesting that Joshua could have said, fix bayonets, right? Because we're going to battle. Jericho is right across the river. That was on the calendar. No, he doesn't say that. doesn't say anything about sharpening your swords, prepare for, for battle. No, he, he says, purify yourselves. And isn't that interesting? Purify yourselves. Three days to look on the inside to say, Lord, is there anything in my life that's grieving you? David did it in Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's a cool thing to be able to, like we talked about, putting things on the table. Lord, search me. I give you permission. I'm giving you the opportunity. I'm opening myself up. No secret caverns, no locked closet doors. I'm allowing you to invade my space. Purify yourselves. It's an, it's an, it means to consecrate. We, we can't clean ourselves up The Lord's forgiven us. Our sins are forgiven. But if we're allowing sin, life-controlling issues to control us that aren't pleasing to the Lord, listen, the Lord doesn't come in and, you know, he's not like a cleaning company. (laughs) He comes into your house and he vacuums and he gets under the bed and he goes up into the attic. No, he doesn't do that. That's your responsibility. 
those things that would slow you down. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7:1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Yeah. That's why we, we, want, we want to walk in holiness because it's honoring to the Lord. Back in 1879, the soap maker Harley Proctor struggled to find a name for the company's new line of soap. And he was reading his Bible one day and he came across Psalm 45, verse 8, and it says, Myrrh, aloes, and cassia perfume your robes. In ivory palaces, the music of strings entertains you. What grabbed him? Yeah, he was inspired by that verse and he chose the, <coughs> the name ivory. And people loved buying ivory because it floated in bath water. <laughs> it had a life jacket on, I guess. So, um, and in 1895, its famous slogan was rolled out, 99 and 44th, 100% pure, based on the results of independent laboratory tests. So, so, so that worked for Proctor. The God of ivory palaces expects our minds to be 100% pure as well. Because he's absolutely holy. He is. So if there was an independent laboratory test on our minds, how would it, how would it come out in your mind? Uh, 99% pure? Um, 75% pure? 50% pure? Um, we need to let the Lord work freely in our lives. Malcolm Smith, he's a Bible teacher, put it this way, Christianity is not a formula, but the person of Jesus himself. Never think that Christianity is a matter of adjusting behavior, but rather of letting Christ live through us in his strength and power. There it is. You know, it, it's, not, it's not trying harder. It's allowing the Lord to live his life through us. We, we talked about that before. It takes the pressure off. I've got to perform. No, no, this is not performance. This is a relationship. That's the driving factor. So, so, um, here we are. There's a couple things um, that... we are dealing with, you're dealing with. COVID lockdowns, here's a title. Michael Levin, he's a secular author. Substance abuse spikes will hurt us for decades. Don't, don't the politicians get that? The social cost of broken relationships due to alcohol and drug abuse will spiral in years to come as a result of the binge drinking that's going on right now. We've all seen news reports indicating how hard it is these days to get a bed in an intensive care unit given the spiking numbers of COVID-19. But if you think finding a spot in an ICU is tough, try getting a bed in an alcohol or drug rehab program. They're full. A new study finds that Americans locked away in their homes due to COVID-19 are turning to alcohol and drugs in greater numbers than ever to cope with pandemic-related stress. 
One in three Americans has engaged in binge drinking recently. Why are Americans drinking so much? Why are they using drugs? The reasons are endless. Therapists report that depression among children is off the charts as they are missing their classrooms, their sports, their extracurricular activities, their friends, and their own routines. And we had that come very close to us in our neighborhood just 10 days ago. A teenager wanted to call it quits. So this is real. So what are you going to do about it, friend? Getting stuck on the wrong side of the Jordan River. If you're watching online and you're feeling that anxiety of being locked in, here's a thought. This came out last week. Article, mental health improved for only one group during COVID. Do you know which group that was? Those who attended church weekly. That was it. No no improvement anywhere else except those who are attending church weekly. Poll results show that mental health improved for only one group of people during the COVID pandemic. They found that only those who attended religious services weekly saw a positive change in how they rated their mental health. Houses of worship and religious services provide so much more than just a weekly meeting place. They are where, they are where so many Americans find strength, community, and meeting. Meaning. So... Israel had been wandering for 40 years in the desert because they didn't believe what God said. And now Joshua is standing at the brink of the Jordan River and he's saying, it's time, it's time to go. We need to purify ourselves. And, and part of this process of purifying yourself, man, it may mean getting connected with the body of Christ. You know? Maybe, maybe it's time. Because the casualty rates are so high on the flip side. Just something to think about. So, looking in the mirror. It's good to look in the mirror. How am I doing? How's my mental health? Am I staying engaged in my relationship with the Lord? Well, <clears throat> Paul told us in Colossians 3, 5 through 7, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. Now, for all the men in this room. This is, this is an interesting word, put to death. It's very strong in the Greek. It's an offensive posture in the New Testament Paul uses towards sin. It's a battle for personal holiness. It, it, it leans into being very aggressive. It's ruthless. It's going on the attack, on the offensive. Put to death. Mortify it. Do it now. Do it resolutely. Paul 
purposely uses a violent metaphor here to get your attention. That sin is not something to flirt with. You need to deal with it. You need to put it on the table and say, God, help me put to death this sin once and for all. And um, Brian Head Welch, for all of you musicians out there, the corn band back in the day, Brian played lead guitar. Um, he put his faith in Christ and decided he's going to quit the band. He wrote a note to the to Corn. They were selling over 11 million records. Man, he was making all kinds of money, but he realized that was in conflict with his new faith with Christ. So he went on a war path with his faith in God. <laughs> he he decided to exterminate every sin that held a beachhead in his life. He wouldn't accommodate sin any longer, and so. Somebody said, Brian's Dear Corn Letter was just the beginning. He removed the platinum records from his wall, replaced them with scripture posters. He cleaned the drug stash out of his closet and turned it into a prayer sanctuary. Welch is also very candid about his past struggles with sexual addiction, a problem for which he found a rather unique solution. Brian put it this way. It says in the Bible, if your right hand caused you to sin, cut it off. He said, I was addicted to porn, so I... I cut my right hand off by putting Jesus on my knuckles, J-E-S-U-S. He's got five knuckles, so that worked out pretty good. I got Mark 9.43 tattooed on my other hand, which says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. And so, so Brian was at war with sin in his life. He was ruthless. And he looked in the mirror. He took Joshua's advice. He took Paul's advice. And chose to deal with it. Number four, it's time to go. Not quite yet, but it's time to go. Verse 6, in the morning Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant, lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. It's time to cross. Uh, you, yeah. Are you looking forward to 2021? Are you excited about it? Or are you going to bring 2020 in with you? Um, Craig Groschel pastors in Oklahoma, and he tells in his book, The Christian Atheist. So what he says, uh, I get to travel a lot on the plane um, I have all kinds of surprises sitting next to people, of course. Um, on one particular trip, you said I had two flights to, to reach my destination. On the first flight, I sat next to Travis, a middle-aged man, a father of two, married, who was heading home after an unsuccessful business trip. 
On my next flight, the second flight, I sat next to Michelle, a young grad student starting her summer break. Both were tired. Both wanted to get home. Both were atheists, though very different. Travis was like most atheists. He denied the existence of God altogether. He didn't pray, didn't read his Bible, didn't go to church. And after bantering a while, Travis was giving me a hard time, of course, uh, because I was a pastor. He kind of changed his tone and went into a truce mode. He said, well, if there's an eternity, I'm sure you'll be in good shape since you're a pastor, and I'm guessing I'll come out as good as most people. On the second flight, Michelle was a different kind of atheist. She was a Christian atheist. Christian atheists are everywhere. They attend all kinds of churches. They are every age and race and occupation, and some even read their Bibles every day. Christian atheists look a lot like Christians, but they live a lot like Travis. Michelle was nervous about flying. She described her difficulties with balancing her checkbook, handling the divorce of her parents, and living with her boyfriend, who was scared to death of marriage. And then she proceeded to ask me what I do. And I said, well, I'm a pastor. That revelation gave Michelle permission to start talking Christianese with me, dropping the occasional God told me, God is good. She smiled as she described the time when she was 15 years old at a summer camp and she gave her life to Christ. And after praying, she was eager to get back to school to tell her friends about her new faith hopefully living a life of spiritual integrity. And Michelle held on to her new belief in God only shortly. Soon started drifting back to the old way. As the flight went on, she began to pour out her life, the darker side. And she looked down as she admitted that she was living with her boyfriend and she told me she wanted to go to church but she was too busy working, studying. She did pray many nights, mostly about her boyfriend who, you know, praying that he would become a Christian like she was. If only he believed in Jesus, then he might want to marry me, she said after wiping tears from her eyes. At last, Michelle expressed one final confession. She said, I know my life doesn't look like a Christian's life should look, but I do believe in God. Craig concludes, welcome to Christian atheism, where people believe in God but live as if he doesn't exist. Christian atheism, sadly, is everywhere. There has to be a better way to live. Wouldn't you say that, friend? And that's where we are. We're on the east side of the Jordan River at flood stage. There's too many Christian atheists out there. And that's why Joshua said, purify yourself. It's time as we face a new year to deal with it. To deal with it. Let the 
power of Almighty God who's resident and inside of us as followers of Christ to deal with it with you, to set you free so that you can walk in 2021 with the confidence and boldness knowing that the Spirit of the living God is living through and in you for his victory. Yeah. Let's not become a Christian atheist. Let's shed that term and lifestyle. Let's become men and women of God and finish strong. Father, thank you this morning for your greatness, your faithfulness, and help us, Lord, to to look in the mirror. Um, So often, life is so busy, we, we look and go instead of stopping and thinking and allowing you to talk to us and allow your spirit to convict us. And so today, Lord, we're grateful for who you are, for knowing us, everything about us, and yet you still call us friend. How amazing that is. And this morning we pray as you put the light upon those areas of our lives, May we be faithful, may we be intentional about bringing all things to the table with you, Lord, as we face a brand new year. Because we know, we know, Lord, that you desire each one of us to walk in victory. I pray for each one of us in this place and those watching today. that we would be honest with you. And so we say, Spirit of the living God, talk to us, help us to obey what you challenge us to do, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen.